From Humber College, in association with the Etobicoke Philharmonic Orchestra, my name is Mark Whale, and this is the Music Listening Project podcast. I am very pleased, honoured to have with me today the conductor of the, well, the newly appointed conductor of the Etobicoke Philharmonic Orchestra, Matthew Jones. Welcome, Matthew. It's great to be here. It's my honour, too. So we are going to be listening to Vorjak's... Eighth Symphony. Or number four, depending on what numbering system you subscribe to. Okay. Yeah, bullshit tends to be confusing in that way. So in G major, and the recording we're going to be listening to is a recording by the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra conducted by Marin Alsop, and we will be giving details of that on the website so you can find that recording. First of all, just a brief historical summary. So this symphony was written in 18... 18- 89 by Vorjak. Vorjak is a Czech composer. It's interesting because Vorjak is a romantic composer and we're beginning to see that music is shifting away from its central European focus, i.e. Germany, France, Italy, uh, on the whole. And we're beginning to see countries like Russia, Finland, and now Czechoslovakia finding, in a sense, their national voice through composers like Vorjak. So I think we're going to hear a bit of that influence here. Just to give you a little bit of background about this kind of romantic individualism, this sense of self-expression that is really becoming so important in the late 19th century. So I thought, Matthew, what we begin by doing is uh, listening to the first minute or so of it, and then I'm going to say, okay, so what's so great about this? Sure. Why don't we start with that? Interesting beginning for a symphony? What a beautiful theme. What a beautiful melody. I find it very inspiring. I want to know what's going to happen next. And we got a little hint, of course, of that excitement as we just faded out there. For me, as a conductor, you have to know what your motivation is. What's your motivation? And for this particular symphony, I don't know. I, I think it's almost what has happened to us just before we start listening to this piece this moment where maybe we've just got to the top of a mountain, we've just achieved a great goal in life, we've done uh, something monumental. And this moment of, in the case of hiking up a mountain, getting to the top and seeing this view, and there's this great moment. It's a great human moment. So are you saying that the cello tune is the view, or the cello tune is hiking up the mountain, or...? I think you've just gotten to the top, is what I I guess I'm saying. And there's this moment, a feeling, and absolutely, physically, the awesomeness of the view. Okay, Views are meaningful to us because of how they make us feel and how they inspire us, of course. And I think the music is grabbing onto that. And I think that the whole rest of the symphony could be this great experience of 
the breadth of it, but also the details of it. And then, of course, I think we also hear some of the the story of how we got got right. there too. There's a this theme we're we're hearing now. It's so confident. It's so um, it's so touched. You know, these, these are the cellos, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then an expansive, right? And these the ends of the phrases are so beautiful. And then, but then you have this kind of uh, moment of questioning. Would you say at the it, end? It's curious that it's in minor, and that is a there's an uh, uh, an austerity to the sound. It's not a glee of having mm. reached the top of the mountain. It's a a moment. And then this beautiful... A detail, a bird, uh, something that strikes you in the distance, right? It's guiding your attention. And it's affecting us. You can hear it. Don't you love the way that he keeps the flute going through that bit? So, um, da-dee, da-da, but the flute is playing the whole way. It's actually seamlessly transferred to the piccolo. And this kind of question answer, right? Dirty, butter, and then response in the cellos. And then it's almost like well, where where is it gonna go from here, right? And then we hear where it goes. Just at the end, do you hear a sort of slight darkening of the clouds? I mean, you've got your view and it's beautiful, but then you have this, it's been in the major key, right? Mm. But then right at the end, just there, you hear this. There have clearly been some struggles to get to where we are. Uh, The whole experience, right, is... I just want to go back um, to the uh, just where that theme comes in. So how would you describe the energy in this? And where do you think the energy is coming from? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah he's, uh, he's using the violins and the strings and that permeating rhythm to really increase our heart rate. Right, the dotted rhythm, right? The, the, bump, the dotted bum, rhythm, bum, that's bum. right. And it certainly evokes that feeling of excitement. We're going to hear that dum bum 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 I mean, that's going to become quite a feature of the first moon, right? That da-da-da-da-da-da. Absolutely. Kind of. And I think we will always relate to it in the same way. It's always got that energy to it yeah. that's driving our ear forward. It's yeah. impressing upon us the triumph of our yeah. achievement here. And it's worth just listening to, I think, just that once more, just to hear. There's, so you've got the, the strings doing the bum ba dum bum ba da 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 and then at some point you have trumpets in there and you also have the the ba dee dum ba dee da da We shouldn't forget an important instrument there too is the timpani okay. that really drives an agenda right. to the big beats of this moment to, you know, emphasize. Yeah. Let's just listen to that. that timpani. Yeah. There's kind of a, what is it, hesitancy or a, a suppressed kind of, a, and then it bursts forth. Yep, you can't keep it down. Mm. Nope, for sure. That is the intention. And whenever you hear material that is reduced and condensed and reduced and condensed some more, this diminution of material, yeah. it breeds excitement in the listener's ear. There's no question about it. And that is uh, definitely a motivating compositional technique, right, that's right. used to great effect here. So where would you like to go from here? I'm thinking, well, the second subject is what is... Um... Boom. <laughs> there it is. There's the all-important flute. And so how would you describe this in terms of, I mean, as a conductor, how are you thinking about this character in comparison, say, with the bum ba dum bum ba da Well, it's obviously very different. It obviously, it contrasts quite a bit, and it is a bit nebulous, and it's a bit questioning. And I think our ears are sort of wandering, and... And our attention is grabbed by not knowing exactly where Dvorak is going to take us next. And you wisely stopped it just at the answer to that question. But I think that question mark is over all of our heads as we listen to that moment. And that's another really interesting part of the journey. It's not a journey of certainty all the time for the listener. It is a questioning journey. And it challenges us to... Sometimes music tries to make us feel clever. And I think in this, Dvorak generally... You know, he, he offers these questions, but we sort of in the back of our mind go, I know where he's going to take this. I know where it's going to go. And it's very gratifying to arrive at the next theme where we expect it to be and to experience it. I, right? wonder, I wonder whether it, it's interesting. I wonder whether we do know what it's going to do next, because I know what it's going to do next because I know the music. But the fact that it goes almost back to this dotted rhythm bit, right? Doesn't mm. it? From what I'm thinking. <laughs> we have a rehearsal tonight, so I'm hoping I'm right. <laughs> so let's just, just listen to the... Here's a expansive... Yeah. Ebb and flow. Kind of not sure where it wants to take us next. Hmm... 
and to my ear, and I hope the audience is as well, what we're hearing now are bits and pieces of things we've already heard before that we're revisiting in a new way still makes us feel clever because we go, yes, I know that, it, you know, but it's not exactly the same, is it? And here we are using that material. There are questions in the air again, aren't there? So what do you, what do you make of the and that's a fiendish bit? Is it meant to be? Should it be? Should it be fluttery and kind Absolutely. of in the background? Yes. No, but don't you think? I mean, it's not easy to play. No, Vujak clearly knew that, and it isn't a simple Alberti doody 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 bass that's meant to form this nice, lovely accompaniment underneath. It actually is energetic. It's worrying. It's anxious. It has an agenda, for sure. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, just just listen to that again. And then I also think it's interesting the way that he brings in the, uh, what are they, trumpets or trombones? Yes, that's a trombone and a horn. Yes, that's right. Right. Just at the end. So listen out for the, uh, the accompaniment in the cellos and violas, I think. We get the ominous oh, yes. horns and trombos. It's almost at this point in the symphony uh, a bit of a uh, a debate, isn't it, about. What, what is the theme that's going to win out here? Are we going to be peaceful and, and look at the broad view from our mountaintop or are the, the details going to captivate us? Or are, we, are we going to get lost in the details? It's an interesting dialogue between these two ideas in, right. in the symphony. And of course, what we're going to find out after this next bit is it seems like we're going to go back to the beginning, right? Mm. Those people who know about sonata form we're expecting right. a repeat of the exposition and what we get then is a development but I think it's just worth listening to that again almost like a hymn at this point. This is a very interesting moment. We recognize it, but do we? So this is now... Agitato. Yeah, and taking this da di da 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 and just... Diminution of material again, yeah. compressing of material. Oh, and there we go. Let's just, just uh, focus on that. So Matthew's saying diminution of material. So taking a snippet, if you like, of a tune and focusing almost on that that snippet or take taking a tune, taking a bit, diminishing it, taking a bit from it and then repeating it and putting it in different instruments. So at this point... 
we're taking a bit from the theme, which goes da dee da 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 dee, mm-hmm. and then uh, so he has the flute, and then I think the oboe and clarinet just repeating that, and that's what he uses then to build this this bit up. So just take another listen to that. And then, where does this come from? It's almost Beethoven, right? The little double in the flute. Yeah. Glorious, yeah. And then, strings. And actually, Actually, the the tune is not the yup up 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 up. That's almost the accompaniment, right? Indeed. The tune is actually uh, at least when the strings are playing, because I always thought I had the tune. <laughs> the, the string... first violins always yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When the strings or the first violins are playing that, if you listen to the oboes underneath, you're gonna hear what the tune is. Well, here the tune is. Here the violas are rocking out. Yes. Now listen to the 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 oboes. But we are still delightful on top. Indubitably. And then we get a kind of fugue, right? Yeah, absolutely. It gets very grumpy, and the it's the music is looking for its path forward, and there's a, the the uh, debate is getting more stimulated, isn't it? That's a, that's a good word for it. So debate. So in, in a sense, he's using again quite a Beethovenian idea, at least in late symphonies, uh, this idea of a fugue, which is really this. Uh, Instruments have the same tune, but one after another layered on top of each other. And, you know, Matthew's calling it debate, which I think works well. Just have another short listen to that. Each instrument, dun, dun, dun. Traditionally, in sonata form movements, so you have your presentation of the themes, and then I indicated that sometimes that's repeated, and that's what we almost felt we were going to hear again when the cellos came back with their mm-hmm. mountaintop mm-hmm. theme. But we didn't. We went on and developed it, and that's what we've just been listening to. And then we would have what's called the recapitulation, so that would be the repeat of the opening material. But this, at least the way I read it, happens in a very interesting way, right? Indeed. The form that you're talking about uh, is designed, or at least we identify with it as listeners. There's no question. Whether we consciously do or not, it is designed to make us feel clever. We recognize things coming back. We recognize the development is, of course, pontificating on material that was presented to us at the beginning. 
those basic themes that we start to identify with. But then, of course, as you say, the recapitulation has become an expectation for listeners. And you're, you're, you're talking about Dvorak's treatment of the sonata form. And of course, that is the artistry of each individual composer, how they have managed to manipulate our expectations and create with their voices the sound. And, and you're absolutely correct that Dvorak's treatment here is, is unique and his own. See if you can remember the tune is da da dee da dee da da. Now see how he he uh, presents this to us now. What's astonishing, of course, is the arrival moment is after the theme, right? <laughs> Finally gets to that moment of arrival and, and this kind of resolution. And in fact, the theme itself, what was this incredible serene cello tune? Da, da, dee, da. Now you're hearing it in trombones, trumpets? Yes. Over the top are these screaming chromatic strings who are raging, in a sense, against that tune. And at least to my mind, our mountaintop has been greatly disfigured. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we are now really questioning if the mists have come down, the storms are coming down and, and we laid bare. Well, I have to say, I wanted to talk to your audience that, you know, there are no wrong answers in, no. in music, right? So <laughs> you, this is the beautiful thing. So yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm interested to hear that. Let's just hear that once more. <laughs> so here it comes. The wind is blowing. And who can't be carried along by that, eh? Absolutely. If you give yourself up to it, it's marvelous. You know, for the musicians on the stage, uh, we are, of course, giving ourselves to it, literally. But as a listener, it's a great feeling to just let Dvorak do the talking mm -hmm. and touch you, reach inside. And uh, yeah, the images don't matter. They're, they're yours. They're private. They're your creation. Mm -hmm. uh, the music speaks to you as an individual. It's a beautiful thing, which you talked about the individual coming through in the in art at this time, and it's absolutely true. And it's an invitation to all of us to bring our own stories to this great music. Thank you very much, Matthew. It's been a pleasure. Real delight. Okay, so before we go, two reminders. First, to go to our website, which is themusiclisteningproject.com, and there will be this recording and a list of recommended recordings. I'm going to be getting Matthew's recommended recording after this podcast. Uh, and second, if you've not already done so, to purchase tickets for the next EPO concert on November the 19th, Beethoven's Eroica, Mozart Horn Concerto in Figaro, and a piece by a Canadian composer by Harry Summers. 
and check out the accompanying podcast, which will be up in the next few weeks. I'm Mark Whale. Thank you very much for listening.